Somebody started a fire just with, uh, with, you know, those targets that explode. That's what we're suspecting. We don't know a hundred percent, but they set up either some high phosphorus or whatever targets or, and we've got like great big, like 10 by 10 timbers. And then that's what we fasten like the backboards to that you shoot into. And then we just replace those if people aren't assholes and shoot up the, the posts and everything. Um, right. But the fire actually started in the post and what they found afterwards, once they put it out, um, is it, it looked like a, one of those exploding targets or whatever, and they mounted like Tannerite or something, something along those lines. Who you know, there's there's a few various things that it could have been, but it scared the living crap out of us because we could have lost everything out there. Not to yeah. mention, I mean, that side of the valley is well, all the sides it's super thick. Like it actually needs a fire to go through to help things out, but not the right conditions for it. That was when we were getting that forty degree weather. Mm. It was driving a popcorn fart out there. So, do you guys have controlled burns out there? Uh, not right where we are. They're starting to talk about it more. I know the park, uh, like Kootenay National Park, and that they've started doing a whole lot more over there. Oh yeah. Um, but in our valley, it's. I'm sure they'd like to, but there's so many private properties all along the benches here that. Yeah. Uh, well, you figure they'd be into it. I mean, if I had, if I was in a, in a high risk fire zone area and I had, it was a landowner with a significant amount of land, I'd, I'd be, you know, I'd be I pushing think for control burns. And I, I, I don't think there's any opposition to that. I think they're probably worried about if it were to get out of control. Right. It'd be, uh, it'd be, be quite drive going down the valley and just seeing all the basements that are left. Yeah. That's, that's how bad it is. Like it's scary. And I know some property owners are, they are thinning out their properties, like leaving lots of trees, but they're, they're taking a lot out just to, to mitigate, you know, the size of the fire that would actually come through. Right. So, but I, I, I would think that some would be nervous. I would be nervous even for them if uh, a fire got on the wrong side of the valley there. It'd be scary. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. What are you drinking there? I got me uh Fernie First Tracks, a little brown ale. I haven't had one of these in a while. Have you ever tried Fernie, Fernie Brewing? No. Oh, man. I'm not really a, a dark beer kind of guy. Well, these guys have a whole whack of stuff. I'm going to bring some out to that 3D shoot. You're going to have some. Um, yeah, there's a lot of, uh, I'm, I'm kind of a bud, <laughs> you know, keep it simple kind of guy. But uh, these guys have some amazing stuff, just some good flavor in that. This one here, I couldn't drink all night, but uh, it's a good like dinner beer in my mind. Oh, yeah. I can't drink Budweiser. It gives me heartburn. Oh, does it? Well, yeah. What do you drink then? Brewers Light. Light beer. All right. I won't make funny <laughs> for that, but uh, it is what it is. Yeah, there's, uh, uh, there's, there's another company I should see if I can get my hands on some. It's out of uh, Kimberly. I think they're called Overtime, and they've got the same thing. They've got some amazing stuff from super light stuff to that gross hobby stuff too, but I can't stand that. I stay away from that stuff. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't I'll know. I, I used to drink Budweiser, but um, I don't know. I just switched. When we were down here, when we had our hockey team, we were sponsored by Coors Light, so. Oh, well. Coors Light, it is number one <laughs> yeah. beer on the market right there. Yeah, so <laughs> it was easy to switch, and I kind of just uh, stuck with it, you know? Well, that's all right. Yeah, I don't mind that stuff at all. Yeah, I try to. Yeah, I don't. I don't, I don't. Is it cold? <laughs> yeah. That's usually Can't my drink first warm question. beer. Yeah, no. warm beer's rough. Yeah, Nothing beats rough. a cold beer. What did you get up to this weekend? Sounded like you had some baseball action. Yesterday, yeah, I had the kids' first ball game. Oh, they must have been pretty stoked. Yeah, it was good. That's was good. good. Good to hear. Lost by uh, two points. So, but, uh, whatever. Yeah. It's, uh, because of COVID the last couple of years, it's been kind of a shit show. So 
at least we can go watch now last yeah, couple no years last year we couldn't watch in the year before it was shut down so well kids must be pretty stoked to have you guys there then yeah it's been good it's that's good awesome. and then uh working in the backyard building a wife a garden oh that sounds nice <laughs> Yeah. No, I don't, I don't, uh, we put flowers in, but unless they get hit by the sprinkler, when I do the, when I do the lawn, they die. Oh yeah. We're not much. We, uh, we're not very good at that stuff. I got a nice no. looking lawn, but, uh, but anything past that sprinkler head, forget it. Not much of a green thumb at your place. No, I don't have time for that. I just, yeah. I like my yard though. I'm I'm going to be that old cranky guy that yells at the kids for throwing Walking their toys. Yard. And, yeah. I'm going <laughs> to totally be that guy. I'm already getting accused of it as it is. <laughs> Cut your grass four times a week. Yeah, pretty much. And on angles and everything, make it look all pretty. Yeah. I don't even like the dog going out to the front there. She's got her own yard in the back. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, we only have uh, a backyard. Like, we have a front oh, okay. yard, but our prop- the way the property is lined up, the whole front yard is no grass out there. Just oh, okay. all gravel. Nice. Yeah, so yeah we, usually, we usually just entertain out in the front kind of deal. Even though it's nice either way, our our house is kind of in the middle of the lot and we got a pretty big lot so either one yeah. would be okay but i kind of like just having everything out front and a nice soft green grass yeah yeah that's yeah. cool so no, no, much? dude i was setting up uh today i was setting up that uh garmin site on my bow oh okay yeah having problems with it or just something different or no i uh i set it up and because of that bridge lock system so i got a, a custom bracket made for that boat custom dovetail mount okay um it's out of aluminum so now that garmin site fits into the bridge lock system of that of the matthews you're looking it up to see what it looks like so you know what i'm talking about totally freezing up on me oh how's that is that better yeah that's better there so back to your site because i didn't hear any of it okay hold on a sec here i'm just gonna check my internet connection. it did that when we were uh with oh, Doug too. that's right yeah that was just for a split second there yeah, and it's weird because I got I normally have wicked internet down here. That's yeah, a shitty thing about too. shitty thing about Wi-Fi. Yeah, no, it's good. Okay. Okay, anyway, so I was setting up that uh Garmin site on my Matthews bow. Mm-hmm. And because of the like I wanted it to utilize I wanted to utilize the bridge lock system that the Matthews has come out with. Because without it, if I'm not utilizing that, there's not really any point of having that bow the way I look at it, right? Yeah, it keeps everything centered and well balanced. Yeah, so I got a custom-made um, dovetail mount that will mount to the Garmin site and slide into the bridge lock system. So I got that all set up. So I put it on and I, I started sighting it in. And with those electric ones, they take a little bit. They take a little while to initially set them up. You know, just because you got to get the reticle, like you got to get the rangefinder set up first, and then you got to dial in your pins. So it takes about half an hour. Not really a huge deal, but it wouldn't go far enough. My wind. Uh, my windage wouldn't go far enough to the right because oh, it's shit. not meant to be mounted that way. Yeah. So I had it cranked all the way, all the way over. And I was on my line on my windage marker on my target. I was about two inches off. So then I was like, I was pissing around with it. Then I thought, well, you know what? I'm going to go throw the laser on my bow. So I put my bow in the vise, set the late, took the, everything off, set the laser up, checked my, my, um, rest. Yeah. And I, and my rest was actually off a little bit. Oh, really? So I leveled my rest perfectly, put the site back on and it's, it was bang on, but I have like zero, it's like right there. I have no, if it, if it's off, like if it was still off a little bit, I would have been screwed. I wouldn't be able to use it, but luckily it just made it. It's funny you say that. Cause that's the second site I've heard has issues, uh, with the Matthews bow that you have there. 
VX yeah. or the V3X. And I don't know if any of the other ones that have that uh, that bridge lock system. I think there's a few companies that are coming out with something similar. But that uh, uh, was that uh, that slide I was telling you about that five pin slider from uh, Gold uh, Black Gold. They were saying they were having the same problems with that one. There, there wasn't enough yeah. windage, and they actually believe they made an extension accessory yeah. that you can buy so that you can do that. But it's the exact same thing. So. I guess these Bosite companies are gonna have to start taking that into account with bows starting to go with this. Yeah, and system. I think yeah, exactly. I think every bow is gonna start doing that because even like with the picket with the uh, Picatinny rail that Hoyt came out with, yeah, they're running That's into the same issues because your bow is made to sit like if you're a right-handed shot, it's made to sit on the right side of your riser, right? Like it's meant yeah. to mount in there. But I think all bows are gonna go to center of riser, like mounting. Same yeah, way. I think it's. I think it's a great idea too because it makes total sense to pull yeah. so you keep everything to the middle the less torque you're going to have the less cant you're going to have yeah it's just it's just going to help out a lot yeah so on my my target i just draw lines right and i hit the lines okay. and that's how i set my went my elevation or my windage the excel site i have that i put on that matthews bow it's the same thing i have it cranked all the way to the right and i have zero clearance left but it's on the line so it's good but like if it was half an inch then with the garment, if it was half an inch one way, Jeez. I'd have been screwed. But I know guys that have had to like have run the spot hog and they had to get the piece to move the site over a little bit. I think that companies should just go with that instead of having just that short base, just come with the extra, like build them standard. Yeah, I think they the probably extra. will now. Yeah, then you don't have think, to buy it and it doesn't matter what bow you put it on. You just yeah. put it on and adjust it. But I think I think I wouldn't be surprised in the next couple of years if you see all the bows going to center of riser mounting system. Yeah, I like it. I like the thought of it. It looks... Yeah. I've seen a couple bows set up with it and I think it looks good too. Not that it didn't yeah. look good before. I just think it looks better. Yeah. And then I got on that Matthews, I have the, uh, the ultra tight, um, built in quiver. Oh, that one. That, yeah. That's the one I said I saw being mounted, uh, yeah. at Jimbo's in Calgary there. Yeah. It's nice. And, uh, I, I couldn't believe how tight it was. Great. Yeah. So, I mean, you got no, so when you're holding your bow, it's nice with everything centered, right? Just cause you have, you're not listing left or right on your bow when you hold it. And then with that longer Matthews 33 axle axle, yeah. it's uh it's a pretty good setup. That's good. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a little, a uh, little better for me than the 29. So, well, that's all right there. Yeah. It's, and it's funny. We were talking about that too beginning of the year that with the stuff that we the stuff that we hunt and how tight it is sometimes we like that smaller bow just to yeah. get snagged up on as much stuff but i ended up going with virtually the same thing too i've got that uh bentham pro yeah 33 so yeah but it just works well and i just found like i was running the hoyt the last couple of years and it was 31 and 30 and a half the year before and 31 last year and it just string angle on the 29 i just didn't like it yeah. it was just yeah, so oh, this works good. So, so this is one of those digital ones. It's like a range finder and everything yeah. too, right? Okay. Yeah. So it's the range finder one. Basically, you push pull push the trigger and it puts the dot on the screen. What do you think? Uh, what do you think it would be like in foggy conditions and stuff like that? Like you can still see, but when I I've had my range finder and I don't have the best range finder, but it's it's half decent. But I do find on some of those foggy days or those weird weather days, it doesn't always want to give me that proper reading, like bang on and like right now. Sometimes it takes a tiny bit or sometimes it won't. Do you mm -hmm. find that with that? I didn't last year with that old, the A1i. Okay. Um, now, obviously, I can't see the A1i Pro having any different, of like any less capability than the A1, seeing as okay. it's an upgraded model. But there's a lot of stuff 
on that site that i don't know like i don't know why you need it all it's got so it's got little leveling indicators so if you're cantering your bow left or right you're yeah. off plumb it will a little dot will flash so it took me a while i didn't i had to turn that off it took me a while to, it's a lot of settings on there so okay. i had to go through and turn that off because i didn't like that um a lot of stuff what's cool about that bow is you can do you can just load different arrow profiles oh really yeah so you have to program it with what you're shooting and like your weight and all that yeah. kind of stuff of the yeah. arrow well and that's the thing that's different about this one this one you now when you first initially set up you set up your draw length right and then you set up you do an arrow profile and you set up the arrow profile to that arrow you're shooting and then the only reason to be honest i put it on there and set it up is because it's sitting here yeah so i figured i'd give it a whirl oh it might be an interesting thing for if you were going and doing totally different hunts too like you know like we're, we're set up for elk and deer uh, around here and bear but maybe you're gonna go do a, a trip to africa or yeah. and you know some of those thick hide animals mm -hmm. and you want to run like a super heavy arrow or something just for some penetration power that might be interesting on there and just see how much quicker it is to you know dial in that setup and how much quicker it is just to check on your site accuracy yeah and i think it'd be good too if you're doing like a lot of target archery if you're doing target archery there's like you don't need those big heavy expensive inserts so i mean you could just run the, the ones that come with the arrows and then just run a hundred grain field tip have that yeah. arrow have it you know set up in the site for that and then have your hunting arrows set up too but yeah, I could see that being really popular because, yeah, I, like you say, I, I can't see it wanting to set up all those, like using all those heavy inserts and stuff or something that you have no need no. to, but you're not going to recite your your fixed pins, you know, sites no, and all this kind of stuff. No, because then, you, yeah, because then that's the thing is if you're running a heavier front end, then you're going to have to adjust every pin individually because the arrow's dropping faster. So yeah that's one thing that i guess would be good about it i mean i'm not going to do that but i mean just because i have those arrows and i don't want to spend i mean i guess i could i could probably just set it up save the money but it's not like i ever lose an arrow i i'm not gonna admit to that i might <laughs> lose the odd one <laughs> yeah well Dude, i don't in my around. front yard i only shoot i don't <laughs> shoot uh well i mean even like last weekend was that last weekend first the opening week in turkey there i had i was at shooting 70 and i was shooting probably four inch grouping 70. Well, that's pretty good. Yeah, I mean it's it's good, but I mean last year I felt like I was shooting a little better, but um it's kind of nice practicing at those longer ranges because then it just makes all the shorter stuff like chip shots almost like yeah if i have even worried about it yeah if i have the opportunity to take long shots like practice long shots i, I take it and i like out at rock creek there the ranch there i mean you could shoot fuck, you could shoot 300 yards down the driveway no problem right nothing on the other side of the not that your arrow was gonna gonna hit anything if even if you held it in the air and let it fly but just too far but well, yeah no i uh, yeah i like i like setting i like taking those long shots just because like you said when you go back to shooting 30 and 40 man and everything sure gets clear yeah when you come to our 3d shoot we'll have some stretched out shots what's definitely. the longest one you got well we set the longest one up at 73 yards last year but the elevation must have been also probably 30 feet higher than than the target oh yeah and then some bushes in the way so it really threw you off and then a big target which you put a big target farther out it looks closer than what it is yeah and uh but we might try to push some out we have the option i mean we can do anything out there we could easily do 120 yard shot yeah like because like a lot of our close shots are in the trees and everything when you come out you'll see but some of our farther shots that we play mind tricks with people is we'll set up on the hill and we're shooting out into the field and it's a big open field and when they do the shooting clays and stuff they kind of set up along the outside shooting into the middle of the field so mm -hmm. there's tons of options for us to do and then we'll probably do a fun shoot or something like that where it's really stretched out one in the middle of the field and you know kind of at the end of the day but we got to figure that stuff out first yeah and i i don't know a lot of guys they don't know what they have set up on their bows i don't feel like a lot of guys have 
their pins set up for that far because even like on a five pin fixed which is probably the most popular site yeah it's going to be 20 to 60 and like a, yeah. like mine is 30 to 70 just because to me if you're shooting an animal that makes zero difference if it's zero to 30 right like that's not that one or inch and a half wherever you're shooting it's not going to make it's still going to hit a heart yeah and right knowing close. that in your head you know you can just hold a little high or something like that with that 30 pin yeah if you had to yeah, yeah. for sure yeah, I'm a, I'm a 20 to 60 right now, but like I say, I want to go to that five pin slider so that I can set those first five wherever I'd like and then as far down as that uh that shooting tape will let me for the yeah, distance. You see guys there, yeah, they that's a long way, 120 yards oh, those, yeah. those, those sites go to. Oh yeah. man. Yeah, I couldn't imagine hunting. I I mean I've seen some video of people hunting and shooting animals at that distance. I'm not gonna say that it's ethical or not, but in my opinion, I would never take that shot. No, and I think but it depends on the shooter. Like if John That's Dudley's right. taking shots at a hundred yards, I mean oh okay, or you know what I mean? Levi Morgan's doing 120 yard shots. Okay, you know. Yeah, those guys are probably hitting dimes at that every single shot. Yeah. Nothing. So. But for the I I kind of speak like myself for the average guy. Mm-hmm. It's not. I'm not doing it. That's for sure. No, I think like myself personally, like all most of the shots I've done with archery have been like between 40 and 60. Yeah, I think those are like the number, you know, I've done closer shots, but when you're close, it's like you're at full draw and that thing's walking and it just steps around the tree. Yeah. It's hard to draw on an animal. If it's 20 yards or less, like sub 20 yards, it's hard to pull back on that thing because it's like, it's so close. It's going to hear and like, it's just it's tight. You know what I mean? So yeah, they're going to any kind of movement that close to they're going to pick up on it yeah that's that's what happened to me last year with that bull elk even though it was up in the tree stand it uh you know dumbass me forgot to take my quiver off my bow and as i went to got into a nice spot and as i came across the plane with my bow it was my knocks that hit that hit the edge of the metal um tree stand and the thing yeah. it didn't bolt but i mean it locked eyes with me and it never stopped and i was like i was screwed at that point i was Did clipped you, in you, you didn't draw back no because he like was 14 yards i mean it had six yeah. eyelashes on the one side let's just say that like <laughs> and it wouldn't break eyesight with me and i was like if i pull back i'm gonna lose it it was the first day of the season first hour and it was just like there's no point in spooking these animals out of here in my opinion like there's still all day to hunt these guys yeah or they'll be back tomorrow or tonight or whatever and that thing just i don't know and blink of an eye all of a sudden it was walking away from me but straight on or straight away yeah didn't feel i had an ethical shot there even though i could have drawn back all day and then yeah just things didn't work out yeah mostly like as far as i can remember like all the shots that's been below like sub 40 has been me at full draw and sitting there at full draw waiting for that animal to walk out from a bush or it's slowly walking behind a tree towards me and then steps out from behind a tree yeah yeah and then as soon as it steps out it gets hit with an arrow but all the other shots like yeah 40 to 60. yeah if it was anything like that probably would have had my first elk first archery kill yeah but it was just so close and it was so tight like even though we were sitting on the edge of this one opening and my partner was about 40 yards up of me yeah just protecting a little back way that we know that the elk kind of travel through yeah and uh he actually was trying to call when he when he, he knew the one elk was right in front of me but there was actually uh, a spike with that one too which i oh, yeah. sort of kind of see but he was waiting for me to shoot the other one and when right. he didn't hear it he made a couple cow calls and that's actually what drew the bull away from me mm. which was good to a point because i didn't have that shot and then the other bull they both 
headed toward him, but he just didn't have an angle on them. It's just the way they came up on him. So yeah, it almost worked out. And I don't care if he gets it, if I get it, we just want meat in the freezer. We split everything. So, so, so if yeah. you, if you go back again, would you just say, fuck it and just draw on that guy? Nope. I've had that conversation. I have been razzed about that forever. Cause I had that on camera too. <laughs> and <laughs> I've never heard the end of it, but no, I wouldn't. I'm still convinced to this day that that thing was locked with me. And if I would have pulled back, it would have gone and ran. And I would have been saying the opposite thing. I should have waited. I should have waited. And it would have looked the opposite way. If I would have had one cow on the opposite side of that, that elk, all I needed was him to look at a cow just for half a second, just because yeah. I had the pressure on my bowl, like I was ready to pull back. I just needed half a second to, to get that draw in. And yeah, so no, I'm convinced I've convinced myself. I'm happy with my decision. My wife, maybe not. <laughs> she yeah. likes her elk meat, but uh, it is what it is. Yeah. I think I would have just threw back on it. I wouldn't have waited. I just would have drew. I would have looked at dead in the eyes, pulled back and just let her rip. That was me. <laughs> I'm sure my partner feels the same way too. You should have done this. <laughs> yeah. It's easy to say after, but yeah, yeah, I'm pretty, yeah. I, I know myself though. I probably would have, I've, I've, I mean, I've spooked animals by going to draw back on them, like white tailed deer, especially going yeah. to draw back on them and not see me, just hear me. And they're like two steps blow out of there. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It is what it is. Right. Hopefully this year will be a little different. Yeah. Yeah. But going back to those those uh, arrow setups, you know, one thing I was thinking was when you're turkey hunting with a heavy arrow, does a lot of damage to the fucking turkey. <laughs> <laughs> I think you showed me one picture of yours there, and I was just like, yeah, that's that's quite the hole. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's funny there's like no breast damage. The other side, like the the dark meat of the leg, not so much, and the well, the wing mostly, like kind of yeah. weird, like it went through its back, through its back, caught its leg. But it was kind of on an angle. It was 47 yards away. And I let it go and it kind of just like, like they're quick when they move. So it yeah. moved a bit or I mean my shot could have been off, but it went through its through its back, hit part of its leg, like on the way in, it hit part of its leg, through its back, and then sliced its wing clean off. Like clean off. That's crazy. Like just clean. Like I can't explain it. Like how clean the cut was. It was just like shink. Yeah. Just off. And then that fucking thing it flops around. And it runs away. <laughs> it's like seriously. That's a tough bird. Yeah. I can't get over that even seeing the damage that Broadhead did to it. Like when you showed yeah. me that picture. I'm, yeah, I'm I, I was like, holy f and it I thought it was dead. I couldn't see because like it flopped around for you know 10, 15 seconds, did his and then it just got its bearings on its feet and it took off behind a bush. And I was like, Hey, it must be dead behind the bush. So I waited about 45 minutes, right? I didn't want it to be sitting there and it couldn't fly. Um and yeah. So I sat there, waited for about 45 minutes by the tree. And then I said, okay, that's enough. So I got up, started walking to it. I could see all the feathers and I go around the bush and no bird. And I was like, what the fuck? Start looking around for it. And then about maybe 30 yards from where I hit the bird, I could see, I think I sent you that picture. I put it on my personal Instagram anyway. I could see oh, yeah. all the blood, yeah. like a big blob of blood there with the feathers. And so I, I blood trailed it for a bit, but yeah, it's, uh, I could just tell by the feathers, which way it was running. <laughs> When I found it, it was still alive. It was, it went and hid in some, some thick trees. Seriously. Yeah. It went and ran in these thick trees and it was just sitting in there and it was looking right at me and I was like, huh. So I just grabbed it by the head and I spun its neck. Jeez. Yeah. Um, I have, I got to get out. I still haven't, I managed to get out shooting a tiny bit yesterday. Check out my shoulder. Like I said before, I tweaked it the other week. So I got out and is feeling pretty good there. So I'm hoping, hoping this week I can get it dialed in a little bit and then still have a shot at getting that turkey with a bow myself. Yeah. Cool. So I'm still kind of set on it, but depending on the weather here, 
it keeps warming up. I might head down that way still with, with my wife and go down a little bit of turkey hunt. I know there's more down that direction there. Just try some new area and go camping and itching yeah. to get out. Yeah, for sure. Wyatt's got you beat so far this year, so you got to get out. Oh man. Yeah. He's killing me, <laughs> man. <laughs> it's like, hard. Like we've been hunting together, but just like not really hunting together where he's going to be, can actually legally hunt. Right. We had them all set up on day one and I called bunch in and he missed twice the first morning. So I was like, okay, Wyatt, let's, uh, let's move, let's move down the road a little bit. Let's go down, down the hill a little bit. So we back up, go down the hill. We set up again and I put him by a tree. I'm like, hey, Wyatt, just sit up here and lean against this tree. And it wasn't a very big tree, but it was the only place where there was actually like, it was a little opening and it had trees on the other side. Yeah. And I put a decoy right in the middle and I had him set up and I was just standing behind him and I would just do some calling, but he couldn't sit still. He just was sitting there and you know what I mean? Like I looked down, I'm like, dude, stop moving. And he's like, 15 <laughs> seconds later, he's moving around. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Just sit still. He's like, okay. And then I hear this <laughs> and he's playing with the strap on his 22. And I'm like, fuck dude, just sit still. <laughs> sure enough. I'm like, KY, hey, there's a turkey right there. And he's like, where? I'm like, right there. So get, get ready. Take the safety off your gun. And he's like, what? And then the bird flies away. <laughs> so I'm like, you got to be really quiet. He's like, oh, okay. <laughs> so we go out again. Right. And then this time we went, we went, we went back up a little further than where we were the first time. Cause we were like in one spot, we went down then we went way up and I was like, Hey, Wyatt, let's try to get some other ones in here. And this time it's about, it's getting close to eight o'clock. So I'm like, Hey, I found a big tree where he can set up and where he moves. Like, cause he was sitting against a tree that wasn't very big. And then he, every time he moved, the tree would move, right? Like obvious giveaway. So I set him up in a perfect spot. And then I set up right beside him, start calling again. And all of a sudden I turn my head and there's two turkeys looking right at me, two Jake, two Jake's looking at right at me. And I'm like, Wyatt. And he's like, yeah. I'm like, Wyatt. He's like, yeah. I'm like, turn your head. And he turns it the other way of the way that I wanted him to turn. He's like, <laughs> okay. I'm like, there's Wyatt right here. There's two turkeys. And he's spins his gun around and he just like he they weren't spooked when he spun his gun around but he was like right behind the tree so i don't think they could see him but he couldn't see the birds either oh okay and he's like okay like he was he did a lot better than being like he was a lot quieter and they're still there and i was like what you see those turkeys and he's like no i'm like look around the tree a little bit and he looks around the tree and they that's when they seen him they seen oh. something move and they just took off and i was like oh so it was hard getting set up and then so that was the, that was the first morning then we went out again the the like around three o'clock four o'clock we didn't we didn't get in didn't get on any it was kind of rainy and cloudy next yeah. morning we went out it snowed overnight That's and it was gross. minus seven so we were sitting there and he said he was pretty good he sat there for about an hour and a half just freezing his ass off so i was like okay well, let's go back and we'll come back this afternoon and uh so we go back warm up and it's about two o'clock and it started getting sunny again I was like, hey, Wyatt, get your stuff together. We're going to go. We're going to head back up and we'll try to get you a turkey. So it took about an hour to get, you know, going and get him up there and probably an hour and a half to get set up where I wanted to set up. And he's sitting there and I'm like, hey, just be really quiet. And I took some tape this time and I taped it around his, you know, the met, the, the straps on his rifle so he couldn't play with them. <laughs> you know, I had him proof where he couldn't like, he couldn't make any noise or do anything. No fidgeting. So I, you know, we got him a little set up a little warmer. So he was good. And it was warmer in the afternoon. So it was good. So we got him set up and we're sitting there and I didn't call. I just sat there. I waited for them to make some noise. So we're sitting there. Sure enough, they make a noise fairly far away, but I heard some hands going. So I did a couple clucks with the box call and I look over and he's passed out. He's sleeping. sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> he's sleeping. That's awesome. <laughs> and I was, he's leaning against me and he's like, and he's out. I'm like, oh shit. 
So I'm like, I stopped calling, but the turkeys were still coming this way. Right. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I was like, oh no. So I'm like, I kind of nudge him and he wakes up. Right. So then I do a couple calls and then gobbles right away. Right. I was like, okay, why get ready. And then we waited and we waited nothing for like 20 minutes. So I did another call, nothing for like another 20 minutes. And I look over and he's sleeping again. <laughs> so I'm looking at him. He's sleeping. And then I lift my head up and 40 yards away, there's two Jake's sitting there pecking out the ground. So I'm like, I put the box call on my lap, I grab him and I kind of <laughs> like just vibrate a little bit, put the gun like in his hand. And I was like, just gave him like pointed two fingers at my eyes and I pointed this way and he kind of went like, and then as soon as he see him, he was like, he was like right at it up friggin'. I was like, take your time, take your time. He got set up, shot. He missed the first shot. The bird flew up in the air, about 10 feet up in the air and landed and started walking. He hit it again and it died. Nice. So, and then, and then he got excited Then he's jumping around. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, hey, Get, like stop. settle down. Right. Sit here. Make sure that bird's dead. Right. Hold your crosshairs on the bird. Is it moving? No. Okay. Now take, unload your gun, calm down and let's go get your bird. And he got nice. it. Yeah. And he's jumping up and down yeah i was pretty happy so oh, and, I then, love and those then i was moments. yeah so then i was like you uh do you want to skin him here do you want to take him or do you want to clean him here do you want to take him back show everybody's like i want to take him back i'm like okay so he's like how do i carry it so he's holding it over his shoulder and he starts walking 15 minutes go by and he's like i'm like you getting tired he's like yeah you want me to carry he's like no 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 i'm like okay we'll just take a break here have some water and he's still he's still shaking and he's still vibrating awesome yeah and so we start walking some more he wouldn't let me carry the bird just pretty good but yeah he was pretty uh the whole way back he's like my legs are still shaking dad my legs are still shaking that's <laughs> <laughs> like yeah it takes a bit but but you did good yeah i was, I was pretty proud of him you did pretty good so and those are the moments you'll never forget your entire life you're always going to remember that yeah no it, it was good so we went back and then uh yeah everybody couldn't believe it my uh my brother and his buddy were up there hunting and they, they hadn't caught anything yet. And a 10 year old comes back with his, with a turkey and they were kind of green in the face. But and not only that, not only that, I mean, this goes for your brother and his friend too. And me shot it. He was sleeping the whole time we're, we're going balls out <laughs> and we can't do anything. Yeah. And he's having out. It's like, whatever, <laughs> this is piece of cake. <laughs> well, it, and it's funny too, because uh, it's funny because when we were driving and I was like, so what do you think about, we're driving back to uh back to back to the house there, back to my folks' house there. And uh I'm like, so what do you think of Turkey? He's like, Oh dad, it's so much fun. He's like, I'm you know, I'm still shaking, I'm still shaking, but you know what? It's really not that hard. <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> like, okay, buddy. Next year oh, you're man. on your own. Yeah. <laughs> you better watch it if when you take him out elk hunting, because you know what's gonna happen. And he's going to bag something on his first date. And he's going to be like, I don't know what all the fuss is about. This stuff's yeah. easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So no, it was, it was pretty good. It, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. But like, man, it, it's hard getting, like, it's hard getting that little guy that like getting set up with a kid. Oh, you, t- you hear guys talk about camera, getting set up with camera guys and stuff, how hard it is. But I don't know, man, I, I get set up with a 10 year old is, man, it's pretty tough. I remember, well, I, I remember some parts of being that age and. I couldn't imagine sitting still for, for something like that. It'd be exciting no. to go out and look forward to going out, but actually sitting still, still, I don't yeah. know. That's well, and it's different too. And like when we had to be 12, when I went to get your core, when I was young and it wasn't called a core, but um, like when we used to go hunting with my dad, we just drove around the truck. Yeah. That's all we did. Like we didn't get out, like never really got out. Different Maybe era out. back then too, with all the animals. Yeah. Too, where yeah. It's like now I know some people do it and some people can't go for hikes. You know, some people are older in that whatever it gets you out yeah but yeah like my dad still does yeah oh, okay yeah 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 he still does but he, i mean he's in the 70s so but he never 
Those guys never did. So, they never had to. No. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, those guys, they got their bag limit within the first couple of days. Always. Yeah. We always had, like, there was always a moose around. Always, though. And I that's remember. all they hunted, too. Like, never deer. Nothing ever. Just moose. And that's pretty much what I remember about the stories back here doing the Kootenays was, if I remember right, you were allowed, you could buy a tag for your moose or your elk, but you were only allowed one or the other. Oh, really? Yeah. But there were so many moose in the back country. You'd hear hunters that during the rut, sometimes, like, you'd be scared going back there because there's so many and they were so aggressive. But yeah, it wasn't a matter of, oh, am I going to get something? It's like, so what are you going to shoot this year? You're going to shoot an elk or you're going to shoot a moose. Hmm. That's all there was to it. But it's the Serengeti of BC back then. Well, maybe that's why. Maybe. I don't know. I'm thinking. Uh, yeah, I, don't I, think know. Yeah, I, don't I think know. there's a whole handful of reasons why it's not anymore. Yeah. Starts with our government. Lack of funding is probably the number one. Yeah. Not put okay. enough money into the resource. Not enough habitat management. No. And it's like, well, look at like, yeah, it's tough because I know like the government is afraid of major changes just because the backlash they're going to get from hunters. But I mean, like they did it in Alberta, you know, when they did their overhaul on yield, like, well, I guess basically everything, everything went to LEH. I mean, well, I don't know if it all went one year, but like mule deer was a major overhaul just to try to rebuild the mule deer population. Okay. And like moose is all LEH. So, I mean, that's obviously different landscape, but I mean, they're doing good. Like, look at how well their mule deer are doing over there now. Yeah. Mine is CWD, but yeah. That's, that's so you guys bad. in region four, you guys are going to have to uh, submit all your mule deer. Uh, is that going to be mandatory? It is. Well, we'll see when the changes come out here. Um, I thought I read somewhere that that is already gone through. Like that's yes, going to be. It's only, it's only certain MUs in oh, region of, four. Oh, I see. Yeah, so where I am, um, I don't have to here, but down closer to the border, you do. Because I believe they tested an animal that was about, it was 40 or 50 kilometers uh, south into the States, and it tested positive for CWD, and that was close enough to the border that they were just like, no, we need to start doing some tests. And I believe it is mandatory. Yeah, Um, it's not a bad thing. No, and it's not that big of a deal. I'm sure they got got it set up pretty easy for their... uh, testing stations and whatever but i think it was just a little too close for comfort yeah and you know in all reality that's are it is in southern bc there if it's that close to the border there's no reason why there's a few animals roaming around you know back and forth there that don't have it yeah i would think uh i would think there's got to be if there isn't yet i mean they're probably not far away because it's only a matter of time right it's that yeah. close yeah, so, I mean, so it's I think, good to get on it right away. Yeah, I can't remember offhand, but it's only a handful of MUs down there. It covers a good chunk down there, but yeah, yeah. it's not stretching north of north of Cranbrook that I know of at all. Not yet, anyway. That could change here in this next regulation change, too. Yeah, I can't remember if Alberta is all mandatory for CWD. I know my brother, he submits his head for CWD testing, but it takes a long time. Like, he was taking, he was waiting a long time to get his gear back from this year, yeah. the test results back. Well, it sucks, so, too, especially those guys who butcher it. And then they have to wait and they can't touch any of that deer until they get their results back. Yeah. And I do know somebody who got a positive result after they'd brought it home. Didn't touch it. You know, they just kept it frozen and then they ended up having to dispose of it after because they couldn't eat it. Yeah. Well, I mean, you could. No, but I I guess it depends on whether you want to take that risk or not. Yeah. I mean, one of those things. Yeah. I mean, there hasn't been any transfer into humans yet, but do you want to be the first one? (laughs) Not really. I don't want to be the guinea pig. (laughs) No. Maybe we get them on the podcast though, whoever is the first. (laughs) How you feeling? <laughs> hey man, how's things? Yeah. If you go to go back, yeah, yeah, what would, would you, you do? eat that, dude? <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be interesting. But again, that comes back to funding too. I think like the reason his took so long. Like if they're gonna do all this stuff, they need to be putting more money back into it. Like they should, you we should be getting this shit right away. Like, yeah, that so- must have to do with how many stations they have for testing. I'm imagining. Yeah, but I mean, like down the states, they could get it done and they can get the test 
results back, you know, less than 30 days. It didn't take yeah. that long. Like my brother waited months and months to get his. That's well, what, but it comes down to funding. If you don't put the funding into anything, then yeah. you're not going to, you're just not going to have, not going to have any money for anything. You're not going to have the people working on it. You're not going to have the resources available for it. You just don't have, you just don't have it. So just put some fucking money into it. It came from there. Like all that money is generated from that specific resource. Now put it back yeah. into it. Yeah. Invest into yourself. Yeah. yeah. Make things a lot better. That's for damn sure. There must be doing some overhauling on the LEH as they. Man, the fact that we still can't put in for them must be. Really they're not sure. out yet. Yeah. No, I, I think I heard sometime at the end of this month, but I don't know if they're having done yet or so I don't know if it's going to be a shorter turnaround from when you can start versus when you can. Well, it was, the, was, it was about May long weekend, I believe, is when they always closed it. Yeah, it's going to close on the same day. But I mean, you'd really don't need that long to pick your LA. I, I, at least I don't anyway. Well, I know lots of people leave it to the last hour. The last oh, really? Day. Yeah, I don't know. Mine, why. mine go in right away. Like I already know yeah. what I'm going to put in for. Yeah, so same with me. I'm going to put in for goat, moose, share Like we're going to do uh group hunt again group yeah i was thinking about maybe doing the shared but i don't know charity have better odds but yes we, i anyway. just like to group hunt just because then everybody has a chance if somebody doesn't make it like somebody can't make it say you're planning something and then that guy's a douche and he for some reason comes up with a bullshit excuse why he can't and then he has the one one of the tags that yeah. can shoot the moose and you're sitting there being like dude fuck man yeah we always do the group so anybody in yeah. the group can, can go out in yeah, whatever just, combination yeah do you guys do three or four? Uh, we talked about this before. Yeah, I think we have. Yeah, I think we have eight altogether. And like yeah, I say, with, that's between saying, my hunting yeah. partner, we cross over just yeah. to make sure that everybody's covered, and we mm -hmm. can bring somebody out who has a tag if somebody's tied up with something else. Yeah. So yeah, we have it kind of worked out in a way that yes, either way, somebody in the family, if somebody gets a draw, yeah. somebody in your household will hold a tag, which is how we. I mean, we share anything, everything anyway, but it's more for the actual hunting time of year to make yeah. sure that it's not like, ah, oh, shit, those two people are gone. Well, I'm not in the group. So, you know, even though we're free to go hunt, we can't. Whereas if it was like my wife was in one group and I was in the other, no matter what, as long as one of us in one of the groups was good to go, we could go out. One of us would have the tag. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So yeah, we do the group. I mean, my cousin, my cousin's had that group draw twice okay. and his group has had it twice. So it's been him, his dad and his wife putting in for it and they've got it gotten it twice but they had to switch it up a bit because his dad passed away a couple years ago so and he hasn't got it. he hasn't gotten it since 2000 and i want to say 18 or 19 but he got it twice so i mean okay. we're due to get that draw but now we have my son so we got another tag there which is what are nice. your odds in that draw it's not very good it's like one in oh shit man i can't even remember but they're not good odds but we just put into it because it's a group hunt and all the guys that i put in with their buddies and they live here like yeah. They just can't do for to try to like a better odd spot like up north. They just they would never be able to make it yeah. just because they got young kids and like work commitments. So it's just unfeasible. So if you're not going to make it, why even bother? You're better off getting a long shot where everybody can go yeah. than put in for these. You know, if I'm going to put in for a draw like that, I'll just put in for it by myself. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, yeah here it doesn't seem to, to matter. There's I was shocked that we got a moose draw down here three years ago or something like that and there's guys at work that have been putting in for it for 20 years and haven't gotten it yeah man, lottery luck of the draw yeah, yeah everybody has the same yeah i know some um, people have got the same draw three three out of ten years yeah, it's like, got there's good. guys zero for 20 yeah Mind yeah yeah i'm not too horny on moose anyway so i don't know it's just because i've like, seen enough that's all we hunted up there right up in rupert so um, yeah up in 614 up that area so yeah i'll put in for moose down here and then yeah, that's why we put in for moose down here too. Okay. And then goat, yeah. I'm going to put in for goat again. I put in for goat last year. I didn't get it. So I should get this year because it's got like one to one odds almost. That's what it is pretty much down here too. I got yeah. mine last year, but I didn't have time to go for it. 
but it's just yeah. like, but for me, it's, it's not like, it's like, that's my once in a lifetime, one chance to go. It's like, whatever I could possibly get it every year or if they don't get it every year, it's every other year. So it's like, whatever. Yeah. I'll worry about it next year. Yeah. Do some yeah. scouting so, for it then. Yeah. But, so, cause I got I'll that probably, around 2020. So I, I didn't get it last okay. year. So I'm hoping this year I should get it this year. And then we just, uh, I'll do some elk hunting again down there with that but number one would be goats Dude, hunting goats down here is so much more fun than hunting them up north yeah, i think just because it. just because you know we're from up there and so when you're down here because all the places i'm going to go if i'm going to go goat hunting i'm going to go to the places i know up there right so i'm not going to travel all that way to go scout for a new spot but down here kind of nice because you're you know you're in the rockies and you're checking out new areas so and you might not find your goats but you might find a killer elk spot or deer spot or something new that you weren't actually anticipating you're just like whoa yeah exactly though so, i mean that's one thing about like around here like you get up into the parks i mean it sucks getting in there but once you're in there man like there's some good spots in there yeah. that's what you know that's where i took a lot of good mealies out some of the parks down here just looking for other stuff stumble into areas i find down here there's just not a lot of people that want to there's some people who want to walk and other people just just can't get out of their truck or not as you know they won't even walk to the edge of the cup lock they just yeah, drive and drive and yeah. drive and i don't know i, I find lots of times just getting 50 yards off the road and it's crazy what you find for trails and rubs and just out of sight yeah we found too in places where there's lots of like if there's a lot of if there's multiple roads you know like roads that are parallel to each other you go you walk in between those roads during the day and you find lots of stuff yeah they just stay off the roads during the day and then they use the roads at night that's what, but um yeah to each their own i mean it's well, a I lot of it. they can stay in their trucks all they want i love it yeah because a lot of times they'll push the animals to me when I'm sitting in between those roads, like what you're talking about. Because that's where I am. Yeah, I'm not like that backcountry guy who camps out for ten days. Like I can't do it with my back injuries and stuff. But no, but the thing is, long. it's just like ten days is hard to do if you're if you're working all the time. Like if you have a job, like not yeah. that the guys who do those hunts don't have a job, but like if you have a job with high commitments and you have you know people at home that need you there that's what i found like i didn't do a 10-day trip last year um and like the 10 day 10 days before as my kids started getting older i found those 10-day hunts are really tough so what about like, five days five days not bad yeah, yeah i find five days isn't bad and i try to work them out so it's just during the week so i'm okay, home for yeah. the weekend because it, as long as i got my shit locked down at work and it's you know everything's locked down at home which is you know you got to do a lot of work to get to that point a lot of extra work but all part of the process if i find it it's not bad right the kids you know they're busy during the week too and I, and i won't do it if like if the kids are in extra extracurricular activities like baseball or swimming or something like that i just i won't do it i'll wait until yeah. there's nothing going on and then i'll plan it for like i'll plan it for an in between if there's five days in between then i'll plan it for that that's a good way and to i do try it. to do it during the week so i'm home for them for the weekend because i mean for one week to miss one week of work is is doable like the guys they're good yeah you know emails are only a week away from getting answered phone calls are only a week away from getting answered. it's not a big deal but it's that two-week period where that's i find it, it yeah for sure so. especially if you need to order stuff for depending on what kind of business you're in and not only is it two weeks for you to reply to that email but it might be another week or two on top of that to get what you need now because you weren't able to respond to it right away yeah yeah and it, like an art list so yeah that's all and that, but that's all part of having your shit locked down before you go you got to make sure that everything's set up well in advance and like the only thing is you're going to miss out and some people need some immediate answers but um for the most part if they're asking but i i do pretty good like i'll call all our customers and say hey i'm not going to be here this week is there anything you need that's good yeah so but uh, yeah, i'm pretty lucky i just most everybody knows at work that 90 percent of my holidays are booked in hunting season that's yeah. all there is to it and you know we kind of just schedule everything around that and my wife's awesome actually half the time if i come home with nothing she's just like oh when are you heading back out my yeah. freezer's not full 
And it's like, I need a break. I need to go to work. Like, nope. <laughs> Get your ass back out there and bring home the bacon. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah I mean, you definitely have to learn like, yeah, you because like I want to go on a bear hunt here in May. So it's going to be, I'm going to basically plan it in between a baseball practice and a baseball game. Cause that's, that's, that's what we got going on. Right. And then the, the kids right now in May, they have nothing else. The other two have nothing going on in May. Okay. So it, it'll work out fine. But as they get older, obviously like the youngest one, he's going to be doing baseball too. So it ain't going to be like that for very much longer. So it's, it's going to be more late afternoon hunts after work, but yeah. again, I'll be taking the kids out with me, which is, which is you whatever, know what? But. Yeah. And it's going to benefit you in the long run because once they are older and those are your pack horses right there, especially if they get hooked, <laughs> you're going to be laughing. Yeah. It'll be worth the investment. That's for sure. And my kids are older. Like I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum. Like mine are 21, 18 and 16 Yeah, and none of them want to hunt which is fine each to their own, but so I have a lot more free time. Like it's, yeah. I don't have to, I don't have to worry about that scheduling so much as just work and, you know, other than other commitments that you've already yeah. you know, kind of scheduled in a long time prior. But uh, yeah, for yeah. me, it's even, even nine days, people can talk all they want. You go elk hunting for nine days. I don't care if it's backcountry. I don't care if you have a base camp. It's exhausting. It's mentally, and I find it more mentally exhausting than I do physically exhausting, especially if you're in on them and you yeah. just can't either seal the deal or the right animal or the right legal animal isn't there and it's just yeah it's i think i find that's the hardest part of hunting is being mentally prepared for for the ups and downs yeah you got to be mentally prepared too and that just comes from getting out there and doing it that's the only thing that was going to mentally prepare you for that making sure you, like one of the big things is making sure everything at home is locked down tight you don't have to worry about that yeah um i find one of those like that's why i like having that you know that last year i had that in reach this year i got the garmin i just like having that just because that we yeah. not like before that stuff, I remember going on a trip and like, we only had one kid at home at the time. And you'd be like, man, I, you know, cause you never know, right. Something could happen. Right. Like you got a newborn at home and you're kind of like, I hope everything's good at home. But at least with that, you can just send a quick text being like, Hey, I'm good. How's everything there? Yeah. I could text you back and good. Yeah. I picked that up too. I gotta, I gotta practice with a little more, just come a little more fluent with it. That's one of those tools there that, that you don't want to just have sitting in your backpack. And when, when you need it, need it, you're just like, well, I don't yeah. really know how to work this that well. I sort of kind of do. It can make it work, but yeah, it's like that should be one of those things that you know in and out. Yeah, no, they're good to have. And like I said, I I have one, uh, but I use it. I'll I use it every night. So if I'm on a trip, I'll, I text the wife every yeah. night, and then sometimes I'll ask a question too. How's everyone doing? Right. Yeah. Sometimes the kids just want to send me a message. So keeps everybody nice. happy. Keeps me hunting. So it works, right? I mean, it's worth the it's worth the money to do it. What else are you going to spend your money on if you're not spending on hunting? I guess can't die yeah. with it. No. No, that's right. And I mean, there's probably a lot of places too, like here in Alberta, Saskatchewan, the cell service, cell service is probably so good that it's yeah. probably a lot of areas you don't even need that just as long as you got power for your phone. You oh yeah. Like my brother, he'll be hunting and he texts me all the time. He'll be like, what are you doing? Oh, really? I'm like, just at work. What are you doing? Sitting in a tree stand. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Why are you texting board? <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> all my snacks to run out. <laughs> yeah. Need something to occupy my time yeah but in bc we just don't well even like when we were talking to mark when he was on the show he was talking about cell service like how much yeah. cell service they have but they have it all the time and it's like well yeah we i mean you can get going five minutes off the road and you're already out of cell service so oh yeah and even here like even in the main trench like you go from uh even radium to golden and you're on the main highway like right through there's there's houses all along there man you hit edgewater and there's still pockets that you have zero cell service and you're like on the main highway yeah it's just you know you're not even going into the back country no and that's the thing is like even like as as the kids get more into doing stuff i feel like my 
hunts are going to be more like afternoon type hunts, depending on what I'm hunting, more early mornings and like maybe an overnighter if I'm lucky type of yeah. thing. But even then it's still good to have because you never know. I mean, you could literally, you could be half a kilometer off trailhead with no cell service and something can happen and you yeah. need it. So, I mean, uh, I know lots of people that'll do it from, uh, from our area through Kootenai Park. There's no cell service and they're just going to Calgary and they just have it in their car, even not for yeah. so much for them. Just for they see an accident yeah. and you know they can send out a SOS to someone not an SOS but they can send a text to nine one one or whatever yeah to somebody to connect to and get somebody yeah. rolling right away so yeah they're good to have I mean it it's mine is I think I get fifty texts a month and it's eleven dollars okay. a month yeah so I mean really it's not bad no right? you can cut your cell phone bill down by eleven dollars or you could get rid of like one of those apps on your TV for yeah. the eleven dollars like you you know what I mean you can get rid of Disney Plus or Netflix or Amazon or what or, or app one of those things you can get rid of and it'd be the same price. So. Yeah. Peace of mind. And let's face it, you're not going to care about the cost of it. If something major actually yeah. happens, break an ankle, yeah. break a leg, or, you know, you just slip and fall and you can't get out of the, wherever you are, especially in the wintertime too. Yeah. And yeah, it's, so I have a good friend who I used to fish with. Uh, we got a boat, his dad financed it all. So I worked on it for a year. Um, it was basically him and I, and pretty tough, hard working with your best friend, right? So it, it didn't work out. I ended up coming back down here, working, doing masonry with my brother. And he kept fishing. He was working his ass off, you know, paid off all the loans, paid off all this stuff. And we always talked about getting an EPIRB. And I don't, do you know what an EPIRB is? No, I don't. Fishing? So basically it's kind of like the Garmin, but what happens is if it gets submerged in water, it automatically sends off an emergency beacon and you stick them on the mast pole, right? So if your boat, ever, something ever happens to your boat and you're in it, and it sinks. As soon as that EPIRB hits water, it sends a signal that sends a distress signal to your exact coordinates. Oh, okay. So we always talked about doing that. And he was out down um, south of Banks Island there, and he was cutting across the strait or cutting across uh, the sound. And his he, it was in bad storm. It had to you know had the boat full with um, full with prawn. I think it was prawn fishing. Had the boat full of prawns, and he had a whole whack of nets on the on board right so it lowered the center of gravity and he had the stabilizers in the water which probably not the best idea and he was taking a broadside and a pretty bad storm and the boat actually flipped over really? and they were on the boat yeah so um they ended up they were in the boat two guys were sleeping dave was up top i guess and um the boat flipped over they ended up getting out they got the raft off the boat that was strapped to the to the bake hut on the back of the boat they got that off. They made it to shore on with that inflatable raft that they had, but it was losing air. I don't know if, well, they were cutting it off the top of the bait house. Maybe they cut the boat or it got cut somehow else, but they ended up taking it to, they ended up getting off. They got to safety. They got to shore, but they ended up spending 10 days oh. on the island. Nobody even knew that they were missing. Really? Yeah. So wow. how they got found was they woke up one morning and there was a sailboat that had anchored overnight, not far from where they were. And they got their got the guy's attention. He came over, brought him back to his boat. They called the Coast Guard. Coast Guard came and picked him up, called it, called his wife and said, Hey, not to worry, we found your husband. She said he I didn't even know he was missing. Unreal. Yeah, yeah. Man, they're lucky. Yeah, super lucky. So they were there for 10 days on that so island. Nobody even knew those, nobody even knew there devices right after. Well, he has another boat now. This is all by himself, but okay. He has another boat now. And yeah, uh I, I I should ask him. I don't know if uh, if he does or not, but I'm pretty sure he does now. I would think after an incident like that, that would show yeah, you. That would be your number one purchase. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. From Hartley Bay, they weren't far from there. So, I mean, not a long steam. So he's probably thinking, ah, you know, we're just going here. We're going to get to the back end of, of the island and we'll be, we'll just anchor and it'll be fine. Right. We'll be out of the weather, which you yeah. usually do. Like when you're in a storm, you just cut across and you 
ride it out, get to some shelter and then, then you're fine. But uh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, the point will hold that whole thing was it's, you know, it's better to, it's better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it. Oh yeah. Especially if it's just, you know, I, I imagine something that's, uh, that's on a boat now that's going to cost a little more money, but you're putting a price on a life is what you're doing on your yeah. life. And it's like, when you think about it that way, it's like, no, I'm worth that. Oh yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, I'll send you that link. It, it was in the news. Um, really? Yeah. Yeah. I'll take a look at that. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll have to, uh, talk to Dave first. I don't know if he wants all that stuff out there. Anyway. Yeah, no, that's fine. Yeah. So. Crazy story. Yeah, it is. It is crazy for sure luckily he's uh luckily it all worked out he's all good so he's a tough fucker anyway he's from uh the charlotte's oh okay yeah, yeah they're, they're different out there yeah he's a tough guy yeah how so long did you a... fish for commercially i know you did some different stuff but how many years yeah uh six years okay six seven years around there yeah oh wow yeah so and i think years. that kind of builds the mental toughness you know what i mean like i remember we'd be out at the ocean for five weeks straight yeah you know and you work when you're out there you work and there's no you're not going to do anything else out there i mean do you, can only watch three movies so many times can yeah. only play so many games of crib though so, yeah sure you've you, seen your your share of big storms out there too oh yeah yeah i mean we've seen we fished on you know we fished all the way down to the north end of vancouver island on the west coast of charlotte um hecate straits are probably the worst that's what i've heard of it because it's a little shallower yeah it's really true? shallow yeah it's basically two funnels so you got like dixon entrance east which is which is a yeah. big body of water deep in queen charlotte sound and they both just funnel in through the hecate so yeah yeah it gets uh nasty that's where you crab fish up there for quite a while okay yeah i've been on some big storms in the ferry there uh back when i was a kid but i couldn't imagine being on a smaller fishing boat some of that stuff yeah yeah i've worked on like 100 over 100 plus foot boats all the way down to 35 foot but we spent a lot of time in uh, charlotte's a lot of time like mass at sandspit queen charlotte we did a lot of fishing or a lot of hunting in there yeah yeah so dave actually uh when he was he crab fished with me for a few years and uh and he had a truck over there okay so we just every time when we if we'd have a we'd go in there for weather right and if we were weathered in there we'd go hunt some blacktails that's a beautiful place it's uh place i enjoyed visiting yeah it's cool but it's cool yeah i moved down to invermere after because my mom got remarried and, and uh, lived there and great dude and everything awesome but i was just like there's not enough fishing for me to keep me there <laughs> yeah yeah so back to the interior i came yeah yeah it's uh it's tough but i mean like it's booming up there now with the port and all the stuff they got going up up there so that's awesome that's good to hear for them yeah no it's good um yeah man but uh i don't know i think we'll wrap it up here today eh? yeah sounds good sounds good hopefully they'll have a bear story for me soon enough when you start heading out or vice versa you're gonna get out for bear yeah, i'm gonna try yeah i'm gonna try to get my bow sighted in first i might go out with the rifle for the first trip or two just because if my bow is not completely sighted in yet yeah and uh but maybe some scouting like as soon as i start hearing that uh, the snow is receding in some of our areas uh -huh. just go check them out and see what i can find I, i've heard they're they're out pretty pretty decent right now roaming around but there's nothing really greening up except right at the valley bottom so maybe a few more weeks and this double digits and get some sun out might change things yeah see that you got your phone there click that link i just sent you and you can see it's a pic it's a picture of what i was just talking about you can see the rat the the zodiac on the back of the on the back of the bait shack there oh, okay yeah yeah that was the boat they took that right. and they Man got alive yeah the whole boat flipped over and uh they ended up they were able to get that off which is good because it was tied down tight now they have breakaway so under extreme pressure so if it's like submerged it's going to want to rise up and it just breaks the strap that's a good idea yeah and i think there are a lot more there's a lot more safety checks now on those fishing vessels than there used to be i think even guys now I, i've heard that you have to wear 
life jackets when you're fishing, That's which is tough. like super smart. Like, man, like, yeah. man, I remember we were fishing for halibut. My brother and I were fishing on a, a boat. There was four of us and um, it was really rough out. We were fishing on the West coast of the, the Charlottes and it was super rough out and we we're pulling in halibut and so basically one guy has a pipe pole right and he's grabbing the buoy and then it gets pulled through the hauler and somehow the pipe pole ends up overboard my brother leans overboard to grab it and just as he goes to grab it a wave hits the side of the boat and like those waves they hit the side of the boat and like the whole like it, they come the water comes through the scupper and over and it like fills the, your boots and everything with water and it kind of flows over deck then the boat you know gets a little it regains its its you know buoyancy and then the water yeah. goes over this through the scuppers so at the beginning it he was just reaching over a perfect timing. The wave came and flipped him overboard. We're on the West coast of Charlotte. Yeah. So he goes in the water and right at the end of the boat, he was able to grab the line off of the, off of, we had these big, big, massive, um, bait bins or like these big fish totes. We used to call them. And they had, it had lines hanging off it. He grabbed one of those. <laughs> And I was cleaning halibut at the time. I'd seen it. It happened so quick. And I just seen his hand and I ran right for the back of the boat and I grabbed him, threw him in the boat. Holy shit. Yeah. It was a close call. Yeah. If he didn't get that rope, he would have been gone. It would have been gone. So it was that night too. I think it was probably, it was like midnight or two in the morning. It was pitch black. Man alive. Yeah. So I mean, I think with your rubber boots filling up and all that kind of stuff, you're just basically wearing cement blocks on your feet. Oh yeah. Yeah. So it was pretty scary. And I, I remember like, vividly still have the picture in my head looking over the rail and just seeing his eyes and they were just huge and like, oh shit you get i pull him up and we get over and he's like so he, obviously his boots like he's soaking wet he looks at me and he's like he's white as a ghost and i was like fuck dude the fuck yeah wow. i gave him i gave him shit for that and then so he goes and changes and he comes out gives me a fist bump and, oh <laughs> i was close like yeah no doubt <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. I was like, man, just let that pipe pole go. (laughs) It's a fucking $50 pipe pole. We'll get a new one. Oh man. Yeah. That sucks. Well, that's, that's good ending to a crazy story there. Yeah. But yeah, that's the thing is just a lot of crazy shit that happens out there. There's lots of guys who have lots of close calls. And unfortunately, a lot of guys who, unfortunately they just, they weren't close calls. They're end calls. So yeah, yeah, that's a hard industry. All right, dude. All right. Yeah. Talk soon again. You betcha. Later. All right. everyone for tuning in to the focus hunting podcast it's coming at you as part of the waypoint outdoor collective quick shout out to the sponsors of the show vortex optics the best in optics period backroads maps books never get lost with backroads maps aku boots yo to your feet scree hunting gear now if you guys check the show notes you're going to find some promo codes use them save a bit love you guys talk to you soon